Trading update. February is always a noisy month. Lots of random up and down moves and if you're an amateur trader it's very easy to get pulled into overtrading. Reposition if necessary but if you have good shares, cheap with good uptrends just ignore it and go do something else. Lots of people moaning about market manipulation. Yes it happens all the time and it can be very frustrating. Unfortunately as a private investor there's not much you can do about it. The GME event just shows that eventually fundamentals will win the day, and while those who get in early and get out early make money it's the amateurs who get conned into buying these things at the top that get hammered. Hedge funds are indeed behind much of the manipulation. They have huge resources and have the power to move markets. All goes are another nuisance. As an investor you just have to spot it, bide your time and get on the right side of the trade. In the market everybody is trying to manipulate something. Hedge funds, egos, market makers. They all have their own tricks. Silver and gold are two areas in my view currently being manipulated. The prices of both are far beneath what they should be. Take silver. The exchanges that sell the physical stuff are literally being cleaned out. They can't min it fast enough. So the price of silver should be sky high. Yet instead it's way below where it should be. Why? Because hedge funds are buying the physical stuff up but want to buy it cheap. So they short the silver price on the markets to keep it low or even drive it down further, while on the other side of the trade they buy it. Same with gold. Once they've done buying they'll switch from short to long on the market and guess what? Drive it through the roof. They know they can get away with it at the moment because there's no inflation and the Fed turns a blind eye because if gold and silver start rocketing it'll only draw ordinary Americans' attention to their falling living standards. But behind the scenes the big money is betting on the potential for a huge inflation rise at some point. Probably 2022 onwards. Some even think hyperinflation could occur. It might sound crazy right now but in the US, and to a certain extent here in the UK it could come from an unexpected source. More on that in the next update as I'm still looking into this. For me, I think an inflationary spike is possible and it may last a few years but it won't be long term as we live in an age of equilibrium, tending to deflation. But a severe inflationary spike can certainly occur. The 20th century was an era of inflation but even in that you have the deflation of the 1930s. So I'll be watching things very closely. The oil price especially has been rising strongly and this is one big driver of future inflation. Energy bills are already on the rise. I'll update regularly on this as something as severe as what some are forecasting could literally destroy livelihoods. For the moment though gold still seems to be languishing so golden prospect had to go at 56 as there seems to be nothing happening for the moment. I'll keep shot of gold as I want to maintain some long-term exposure to gold. Some funds from the golden sale went into Inspiration Healthcare at 95p. Inspiration make and supply ventilator units for intensive care neonatal units. The last statement said revenue and profits will exceed expectations, magic words that nearly always propel a share price. I don't pay attention to EBITDA as it's a terrible thing, so much opportunity in it for deception, so I always look at operating profit. Inspiration should come in at around 2 to 2.5 meters, operating profit is always lower than EBITDA, which is why companies these days love to use EBITDA, and it generates lots of cash so it has real potential to soar. At 65 meters the market cap looks pretty cheap. With all the interest in getting shorty it might be a good time to show you how to get shorty without wiping yourself out or taking stupid risks. In fact, it isn't really getting revenge on short so much as using information on them to use to your advantage. I brought Foxton's last week partly for this reason. They're an estate agent and look good at 58p. They've had a dire few years but business is turning around. They've purchased a good rental book from another estate agent, have returned to profit and are generating lots of cash. In fact they have so much cash they're buying back their own shares.
Now normally I'm not keen on share buybacks as I always think the money is better employed elsewhere but in this case reducing the amount of shares on the market could have quite a big effect. If you look at the short interest in Foxton's you can see it's been dropping from a peak around late 2017, down to virtually nothing at the end of 2019. You can find out short interest in a share by going to any number of sites but I use shorttracker.co.uk it's the big boys you're interested in. You don't want to take them on. Far the opposite. What you want to see is when they start pulling out because once the big funds have gone it only leaves the smaller amateur shorters who will run at the first sign of trouble. What you'll notice straight away on any short interest site is the hedge funds and investment banks beginning to reduce down to nothing, UBS dropped from a peak of 0.91% to under 0.43% by January 2019, then to nothing, while Aco Capital, Altair Investment Management, BlackRock and World Juan all pulled out. With those all gone it leaves a vacuum into which the share price can push, forcing out the smaller shorters. Closing out their positions will fuel more buying, attracting even more genuine buyers as they see the price rising. So this is one way you can use short interest to your advantage without taking crazy risks. Don't use margin, invest in cash and use information to your advantage. Here's a chart of Foxton's. As you can see the support line correlates exactly with the period the major shorters exited completely. The brief move below this wasn't sustained, and now it's hopped above its EMA. Where the arrow points is a good entry point and I'd target medium term 80p to 100p. In the longer term, if Foxton's can keep profits growing and return to real growth a move to 300p is perfectly possible. While on estate agents, I've been watching Purple Bricks for a while and it seemed a good time to buy so pick some up at 91p. They've sold off the underperforming Canadian and US businesses, terrible idea expanding into the US, they should always have focused on the UK, profits are increasing and they have cash. With debt gone they're in a great position to increase profits and the shares should increase substantially from here. Shtek burst out of the woods and I've more than doubled on this one now. After a winning two large hydrogen contracts it's now in the middle of a re-rating so a lot more to come I think. Most of the attention is on electric but hydrogen is the real fuel of the future. Trains, aircraft, so much is moving to this fuel and there's a lot of upside for those companies that are in it early. Patience is needed but once the market cottons on the shares of these companies will move very quickly. TP Group is another one that has done nothing so far but at some point will just roar out of nowhere. I intend to hold on. Acroll has been dropping for no reason and it still looks good so brought some more at 58p. To my mind it should be closer to 100p but we'll see. For the moment I'm referring to it as Cacroll. Highlights, Microfocus is making another move up. Targeting around 800p on this one. Seeing Machines is holding on well to large gains and think there's much further to go. A huge dividend due next week from Energizer and once it comes off XDV it should shoot back up. Never ignore dividends as these can more than cover your costs and leave extra to reinvest. Like any business, keep your costs low. The Road to Dunkirk Perhaps in a few hundred years time historians would look back on this particular age as the age of entrapment. Or the giant feedback loop. People are trapped in homes, governments are trapped in increasingly vicious cycles of rising national debts and vertically rising demand for ever more support while central banks are trapped in unrelenting feedback loops of money printing. That money, sent to banks simply comes straight back to eke out a risk-free return at the central bank, while the economy starved of loans wilts away. Or the banks buy back their own shares or send it to riskier assets such as the stock market. Meanwhile in the real economy businesses are trapped in death spirals of fixed costs, mounting debt and buildings empty of customers. The US stock market rises relentlessly because the Fed cannot allow it to fall. If it falls the spending of the top tiny percentage of the population that keeps the rest in work will stop and you get a 1930s depression all over again. 
Yet the West is already in a depression. Unemployment is soaring, bricks and mortar businesses are collapsing and manufacturing jobs are moving relentlessly to low-cost nations. The processes that were in play over the last decade have now been sped up by the pandemic. Unemployment however isn't the full story. When people eventually get new jobs those jobs pay less, have worse conditions, less security and therefore spending power is further reduced. Even though money supply is being increased by more government debt and more central bank printing it changes nothing in the real economy. That's because there is no velocity. It's something central banks and governments just can't understand. Let's say you call out a plumber. You pay the plumber and the plumber buys a car and the person he buys the car from puts that money towards a house. That's velocity. But if you don't call out the plumber because you don't have enough money, that chain of spending never occurs. Central banks don't understand velocity, they simply think pumping money into the banks via bonds treasury purchases etc. will do the trick. Which is why you get inflating asset bubbles. Bitcoin. Stock indexes. Property. The very wealthy become even more wealthy while the graph of the real economy heads ever downwards. Living standards drive relentlessly lower. It has been observed that once government debt gets above 100% of GDP any further debt achieves less and less effect on overall economic growth. US government debt is currently 130% and will continue to rise, yet it will achieve very little in the way of increased growth. Across the West the gradually failing liberal democratic governments are finding themselves running more and more of their economies whether it is directly such as health care provision, education, state or council employment or indirectly such as ever-increasing infrastructure projects or green projects, governments are taking on more and more debt to run an economy that should run itself. It's common knowledge in the UK that the only areas of the economy that pay anything like reasonable money are those in public employment. As manufacturing jobs relentlessly move to low-cost nations taking with them the wages and conditions for millions of workers, as high street stores disappear in droves so the government attempts to fill those gaps by wasting even more of its own money. So in place of private companies we get wind farm construction, broadband infrastructure projects, fast rail construction, new roads. The list goes on. And upwards goes the debt. But for what? Take fiber optic broadband. By the time superfast fiber and 5 grams has been rolled out along will come Elon Musk with Starlink, then will come Apple Fi, then Amazon also with its thousands of satellites, all of them beaming wireless internet to every device anywhere in the world without the need for cables or modems. Within less than a decade fiber optic will be redundant, the money spent, wasted, but the debt still there accruing interest. By the time just the first link of HS2 is completed hyperloops will have replaced them. But the debt will still be there. Accruing interest. Again, if you think this is far off in the future think again. India is already constructing a hyperloop connecting Mumbai to Pune, cutting the present 3.5-hour journey to 35 minutes. And it will be running in just a few years. Hyperloops are faster and not subject to delays due to weather. In his book, Democracy, The God That Failed Hans Hermann Hoppe argues the current liberal democratic governments in the West, those created the image of America in the wake of the First World War, are doomed to fail because they tend toward decivilization. Liberal democracy is a paradox. A publicly owned government in charge of private property. He compares it to monarchical rule where a privately owned government, either monarch, owns the national property, the taxes received and can therefore pass it on to his or her heirs. A monarch will therefore have a natural inclination to be far-sighted and plan for the future. They will not overtax because they run the risk of being toppled, nor would they favor high consumption in the present at the cost of future wealth reduction. They essentially won't stiff their heirs. Of course there were monarchs who didn't adhere to this rule, but over the course of history they were few and far between and were ultimately toppled. But with liberal democracy there is no such deterrent.
A president for example is only a temporary caretaker. For him and his temporary administration the opposite is true. He will have what is called a high time preference. A desire to spend heavily in the present and run up huge national debts to achieve what he needs to achieve during his short tenure in office. And so the tendency over time for democratic governments will be to reduce future wealth by spending in the present, and through their increasing taxation, due to the high national debts they rack up, reduce the incentive for private owners to invest for the future. Private owners will therefore reduce future investment and cut costs or give up altogether, becoming increasingly reliant on the government in some form or another. They move from low time preference, investing and saving for the future, sacrificing goods in the present so that more goods can be purchased in the future, to high time preference, living in the here and now. Time and how it affects behavior and money is something for future updates but to sum up time preference in a nutshell, take for example a criminal. He has a high time preference because he gains from crime now, in the present while his punishment is only potential and far off in the future. Therefore the idea of punishment does not deter him. Compare this to a person who has a low time preference, one who invests for the future. Punishment is a huge deterrent. Disgrace, the loss of his job and income, hardship for his family, prison. But for the criminal who lives only in the present it means nothing. He has no job to lose. The people around him see arrest and prison as just something that happens, he contributes nothing to his wife and children and they may be better off without him. A high time preference leads to decivilization. And as liberal democratic governments have high time preferences it can only lead their societies one way. Educational standards decline in future governments, as succeeding lower educated generations take charge, decline in intellect and farsightedness. Take the lack of preparation for a pandemic, something governments had been warned about for decades and would in any case have been the first line of attack for a foreign hostile nation or terrorist group. Look at the chaotic reaction of the US. All results of high time preference. The stock market, yet again a primary target for a hostile power, was completely unprepared for the Reddit, Discord attack on GME and other targeted stocks. Perhaps one huge irony of that event is it was the high time preferences of those driving GME to ridiculous heights left them open to themselves being wiped out. A desire for instant profits and trading on margin are all manifestations of high time preference and almost always lead to disaster. As economies in the West continue to decline so governments will only make matters worse. In the US it is almost inevitable they will experiment with MMT, modern monetary theory. The Fed and the Treasury will work together as one. The Treasury borrows to infinity and the central bank monetizes the debt. John Law madness if ever there was. In MMT it doesn't matter how high the debt rises relative to GDP, it only matters that money is pumped, seemingly, into the economy. Yet Japan has a debt to GDP of 250% and it is still stuck in the deep freeze of a depression that has lasted since the 90s. The truth is, once a country sinks into an economic depression it is very hard without a major war, to get out of it. For starters in this century most nations in the West have demographics against them. Aging populations do not consume. They don't buy new cars, clothes or move house but they do use state health care to the extreme, and place huge demands on governments through pension provision. Meanwhile the smaller working age populations are mired in low wages, poor job security and high indirect taxes. Take for example petrol prices in the UK. Already the Chancellor is preparing to raise fuel duty, at a time when oil prices are once again rising. Filling up the car will become increasingly expensive, on top of all the other costs of running a car, most of these imposed by the government. Insurance is not only high but driven higher by indirect government taxation, then there is road tax, then MOS, themselves made costlier by more government legislation. Local government imposes charging zones, increased car parking charges, speed cameras. All these costs, 
imposed by government on just the car. Increasingly in most countries there is little incentive to have children due to the high cost, and so the demographic imbalance is only worsened. People are living longer than at any point in human history yet their overall health is not improved and so the aged become huge drains on health care, only increasing the demands on governments. All this combined with the natural inclination of high-time preference democratic government only drives the West further towards disaster. The frustration of the overburdened young will only get worse and manifest itself increasingly in yet more acts of rebellion, most not even knowing exactly what it is they are rebelling against. Incidents such as the storming of Congress, the tearing down of statues, the feudal reddit GME attack will becoming increasingly frequent and more violent. The liberal democratic age could be said to have begun in fitful starts with the French Revolution, firmly established after World War I with the victory of Woodrow Wilson's American democratic government over the monarchies of Germany and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. More on that in future updates but if you look at the figures for inequality they rise in tandem with the rise of democracies, the very institutions that were supposed to promote equality. In 1810 the top 1% of Americans held 25% of the country's total wealth, between 1870 and 1910, that share leapt to 45%. Since 2010 that top 1% have more wealth than the entire middle class of the US. And the present policies of the Fed, and here in the UK, driving up the stock market and property values only make matters worse. Once again the actions of the authorities drive higher time preferences. Ultra-low rates make it cheap to borrow money but not as attractive to invest in low interest rate, lower risk treasury or government bonds. Effectively the central banks have incentivized people with extra money to send it to higher risk, higher return investments such as the stock market or property, already at high and still increasing values. The Fed especially has done no more than open a giant casino. By December last year its balance sheet had increased by $3.164 trillion, reaching a total of $7.35 trillion, 63% higher than it was by 2010 after the 2008 catastrophe. And all to inflate asset bubbles. While markets and property assets have roared higher so poverty in the US has risen from 9.3% to 11.7% between June and November of last year. To put that into perspective, 8 million Americans joined the ranks of the poor, as America's 659 billionaires held double the wealth of the 165 million poorest Americans. In the US the corporate tax contribution towards the government revenue was a measly 6.4%. Not a fat lot different to the UK. Even if the UK government raises corporation tax, individuals and small businesses such as hair salons, restaurants and small shops will pay far more and likely as a result go bankrupt. As the middle classes are increasingly diminished so inequality will reach even greater extremes. With corporations making greater profits by paying less tax relative to the ordinary individual and paying lower wages compared to real inflation so the stock market will rise to even greater heights and become even more out of whack to the real economy. The cycle will perpetuate, inequality will continue to rise and frustration and unrest increase. Everyday stuff. For some reason voice-activated software doesn't understand me. Even with improvements it still doesn't. Take the supposedly super-duper sky remote. I keep saying classic FM and it keeps repeating back classy girl. Classic. Classy clothes. Crap arbor? Cannot find. So frustrating. Where the hell does crap arbor come from? I try to use the wife's hand free text message thing in her car and all it sends is gibberish. I text my son to tell him I'll pick him up from work at 4.00 and it repeats back, hi, this is flipperless blenny sliding erroneous clouds to the year 4 million when I massage the one ton. At which point I swear which it adds perfectly. It asks me if I want to send. I scream no. It sends it. Many decades ago I went to the US where also nobody could understand me. 
I ask for coffee and I'd get a Coke. I ask for Coke and get coffee. In the end to get coffee I would ask for Coke. You don't believe me. Neither did my wife till on our honeymoon in the US I walked into a cake shop and asked for a strawberry sundae. They tried to give me a ham sandwich. It all got rather heated. We went from ham, to cheese, to chocolate cake then meat pie. The queue behind me was out the door, I was red-faced and the staff were ready to call security. Then my wife, very amused, finally came up and asked for a strawberry sundae. They gave us a strawberry sundae. Bridgerton on Netflix. Utter rubbish. The wife loves it but really? Not exactly historically accurate is it? Love the way all the streets are immaculately clean in an era of horse-drawn carriages. And as for all that bonking? Well, by episode 3 the main character would have had 6 kids, be toothless, half-blind and have a serious bladder problem. Still, I suppose each to their own. Is it me though or does Super HD make watching films and TV seem like watching a cheap home video? I watched WandaVision on Disney and that wasn't filmed in super high def and seemed much better quality. The investigation was usual high quality Scandi drama. One thing I didn't realize was how ridiculous Danish criminal law is. The accused can change his slasher story as many times as they like and it's up to the police to disprove each one. The idea of opening pubs without serving alcohol seems a bit daft. Like opening restaurants but they can't serve food. Surely better to wait until they can open properly. Valentine's approaches with all those silly ads for fragrance. Actresses screaming pointlessly at the sky and throwing their arms about and, what the hell does any of that have to do with perfume? Or famous actors wearing posh suits, jumping off skyscrapers dragging their girlfriends with them. Uck. Can you imagine doing that with your other half in real life? What the fk are we doing up here? It's cold. Why are you dressed like that? Why are you doing that strange thing with your eyebrows? Erm, I am not going over there. What do you think this is, the Matrix? Either that or it's some film star staggering through a desert, clearly high on something, digging a hole in the middle of nowhere for no discernible reason. Again, what the hell does this have to do with fragrance? Next update 15th February.